City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City City Limits. Um, I've got a major problem with a microphone here. It's, uh, anyway, it's City Limits. It's uh, the first Wednesday of the month. Therefore, John McPherson, our monthly transport guru, he's only, he's only a guru one day a month. That's right. Um, has come in to talk to us. Meg, um, oops, it's giving strange things, this microphone. Anyway, I'll put, hope for the best. Um, Meg Kimber's over there pressing buttons, which is a relief because she was supposed to be having a day off today. I had a day off too, well, last week, wasn't it? I had a day off. Was it last week? I think it was. I think so, yes. And... Um, and Meg was supposed to have a day off today, but she's come in by accident, so she's here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good to see Just you. Self, selfless service, basically. <laughs> and, Scrambled uh, out of it. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> so we're it full is. of the joy of city limits this morning. <laughs> That's right. It is transport day. Look, I'll kick off by putting a cup of tea. I'm going to have to move away from this mic because they'll put it elsewhere. It, it collapses. But there we are. Can people hear that on the mic? I hope, oh, I hope so, yeah. yeah we there we are, Meg. Okay. Well, that was a bit of exciting radio for everybody. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Lovely, tea. lovely cup um, of tea. I thought we'd kick up. Anyone got anything they want to raise before I raise a few things? Um, um, well, I do. Do I have to yeah. raise it right now? If you want, yep. Yeah. Uh, Ten-minute trains on the upfield line. Yeah, beauty. Ripper, that's yeah. great news. Great yeah, yeah, news. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, that's what we want to happen, and I say we because I've moved to Brunswick, so oh. <laughs> really personally invested now. And... Um, so as we know, as long-time listeners would know, there's only like a single track north of Gowrie Station, as we have discussed before. And of course, um, apparently nobody in politics particularly minds about that no. because it doesn't affect them whether they get elected or not because they keep on getting elected. So some wonderful people who were at um, Moreland Station yesterday when I was going in to take the train into work, um, they are organising a rally for Saturday the 10th of August at 11am at um, so it's a it's a train to Merliston station did yep. I say that right yep Merliston yep so how do you know how it works exactly yeah well tell me what time train it is and people catch that train at various stations along the line and then you go and, to, to Merliston yeah what time's the rally 11am 11am so the people are going to be presumably there's a train at um 10.42 out of Jewel, if people can adjust themselves to that, um, mm. they can, uh, and it, if it turns up, of course. Um, <laughs> and even roughly on time. Yeah, that's right. But that's, that would be the one that would get you there about then for the rally. Yeah, it says uh, meet at Jewel Station at 10.29am ah, and the train it. leaves at 10.39am. 10.39, oh, well, that's, that's right, the other side, wrong side, 10.39, not 42, mm. the other side, that's mm. right. Um, okay, well, that's, that's, that's it, and people can adjust to um, that but, you know, mm-hmm. the previous rallies have gone up to the top end at, uh, at um, up, Upfield. 
So you, you all catch the train together? Yeah, and then you get off and you have the little rally and a few speeches. And uh, What do you do on the train? You talk to each other. And, oh. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and possibly other people who are on the train. Yeah. Well. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I wanted them to sing union songs. Oh, they could. <laughs> That's they what could. I, you could, you could yeah. start. You could yeah, yeah, start yeah. a sing song. I mean, That's uh, dream. Do what you, do what yeah. you like. You can have one carriage. could be the choir carriage. That's right. I've always wanted that. Meg's choir. I'm going to contact them and see if I could be part of that. I must already send my apologies to that because I'm actually going to Ballarat by train on Saturday for lunch. It's not because of the choir suggestion. (laughs) We've worked out going to Ballarat for the train for lunch could be okay. It's a betting syndicate I'm in, but (laughs) coming home on the train could be a disaster. Really? No money? Uh, uh, No, after lunch at Ballarat. Well, John. I'm sure the food's very good. (laughs) Thank you, you, John. Thank you very much. (laughs) Anyway, that's uh, that's that, but that's no one needed to know that. Herald's Sun again, they've done a good job. Um, and on, on um, Wednesday of last week, they had a story on page five, insult to taxpayers with the kick ahead, payments to bludgers withheld, bludgers withheld. More than half a million unemployed welfare recipients had their payments cut off over the past year for bludging instead of looking for work and attending appointments. And on it goes about the incredible numbers who have been cut off for all these reasons, etc., mm. etc., and Michaela's very upset. Michaela Cash said, the welfare minister, the, the, the keep them poor minister, said some welfare recipients abuse the system and it should not be thrown in the face of the Australian taxpayers who fund it, etc., etc., etc. And she said the government was focused on getting people off welfare and into work. That's what they always say. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and there was a very good um, background briefing on the ABC on Sunday. If people heard it, yeah, it was with yeah. a, a, a system where mothers are caught up in the system and get cut off for the most incredible reasons. All they kept stay on when they shouldn't because they don't, don't qualify. But the 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 serve the private com- companies that run it mm. uh, oh, yeah. keep them on because they get money every time they walk in the door. So, exactly. Mm. You know, it's um, they're the real mm. beneficiaries of that system. Yeah. Those yep. companies. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nearly always the way. That's that. Well, having had bludgers on page five, you then go to page six of the same day and discover that a private Catholic school is going to be closed down and this is a terrible disaster. A Catholic school that, according to this, got a $1 million grant just to build a new building in the last year or so. and um, we don't know what's going to happen to that because they're closing down. It was given a million in government funding for upgrades with the Nigel building to reopen at the end of the year. Well, that's just when they're closing, which is pretty smart. Um, but the Herald Sun emphasis there is not that they're bludging on the taxpayers, as these schools have for eons, mm-hmm. but that they it's a tragedy that they're closing. And isn't it terrible? Um, and why doesn't uh, the government do something? Why doesn't the government do something about it? It could well be the government's fault. Well, it could be because on the same day again, uh-huh. <laughs> you'll be pleased to hear... Uh, the front page fingered who's responsible for all this stuff at Crown. You know, Crown's oh, been charged yes. with all sorts of things to do with... <laughs> Let me guess, with, it's not um, Crown. No, it's yeah. not Crown. And guess who it is? I mean, you know, it's the usual suspect in, in the Herald Sun. Who is it? Bludgers? No, no, it's... Oh, is it the uh, Sky Labor Rail? Party. Dan, oh. Dan. It's the pejorative Dan. <laughs> yes, you'll be pleased to know. The archi- this, is how, this is how bad Dan Andrews is. Right. You'll be pleased to hear this. Yeah. The architect of controversial Crown Casino junkets for Chinese whole rollers set up a business with a key China advisor to Daniel Andrews. Oh, oh there, there's a connection. <laughs> 
Tom Zhu, known as Mr Chinatown, also rubbed shoulders with the Labour leader in 2012 at an event run by the Australian <laughs> Ubuy Association, part of the Chinese Communist Party's overseas influence operation. And the Herald Sun can reveal Mr. Zhu's company donated $26,000 to the Labor Party's New South Wales branch <laughs> in 2015. Corporate records show that in 2012, Mr. Zhu set up property development company, whatever its name is, with three others, including Mike Yang, Mr. Andrews, senior advisor on multicultural affairs in opposition from 2011 to 2013. Oh, oh. Gets worse, doesn't I'm it? Getting, I'm getting the vagueness. <laughs> it gets more heinous by the paragraph. Anyway, the Herald Sun is not suggesting Mr. Zhu or Mr. Yang engaged no, in any wrongdoing, no, no, no. but they are suggesting Mr. Andrews did Definitely. By, <laughs> by meeting them and shaking hands. Well, I said the problem, the problem for the dear old Herald Sun is it, it didn't have any role yeah. in this, getting this story out. No. Yeah, that's, that's it. This was three days after the yeah, other mob broke that's, it. And that's the most they can come up with. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so. Wow. So they're it's feeling a bit of a, a fishing feeling expedition. A, feeling yeah. a little left yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh, right. Dear. Poor, poor dear. Oh, dear. So there you are. So anyway, so don't if anyone says there's trouble at Crown, um yeah, yeah, point yeah. out it's not Crown's fault, no, it's not James Packer's no, fault. No. Oh no, no. It's definitely not James Packer's no, no. fault. It's the fault of Dan Andrews because he shook hands with a bloke in twenty thirteen. What how's it go? I dance with the man who danced with the girl who danced with the Prince of Wales. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so there you are. Um, and oh, on dear. that, by the way, just on Crown, um, it's important to remember that going back, I think I'm pretty sure it was the Kerner Premier era, mm. she set up an inquiry as to whether Melbourne should have a casino at that time, and yeah, I yeah. think the only one in Australia was the one in Tassie at, mm. at that point. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah. does he represent? Somewhere, one of Meg's regular hangouts down there, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> lovely view over the oh, river. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 slinky long dress. <laughs> and the man at Clarence, I found, who, who sold sold crayfish. I loved him. Um, anyway, the. Um, yeah, but she set up an inquiry with a bloke called Xavier Connor, who was a sort of um, Labor group called the Participants, a group of senior lawyers, QCs at the time and OSCs, but uh, who were around Xavier, I think ended up on the Supreme Court bench. But she set him up to inquire mm-hmm. into um, whether we should have one, and he recommended against it mm-hmm. on the, those very grounds sure, that casinos yeah. attract criminal activity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so it was rejected, and it was only later, I think it was under which, I can't think which government, probably Kennett, but it might have been, been a Labor government. I think Joan brought it in. Did she in the end herself? I remember she did was she? quoted yeah. later. Saying it was the thing she must re- oh maybe she did so, it, yeah. but certainly oh. the the inquiry recommended it not be right. set up yeah, yeah 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 and for those reasons but I, mm. I can't you know, I can't quite mm. I know it was set up originally in that mm. building down on near Spencer Street there that which is now part of Docklands I presume no oh. oh, and the um, yeah the whatever it was called the, the um, yeah it was the original one was there while they built the yeah, grand yeah, complex yeah, they're now in. Yeah. Um, but sad well, news. Well, it's only Western Australia that doesn't have pokies now. Yeah, and they, they have it. They only have them in the casino. Yeah, but nowhere else. Nowhere yeah. else. Yeah. 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 Wow. Right. One casino. Uh, yeah. 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 That's right. Um, and on that, um, well, Crown shares have unfortunately dropped, which is a tragedy for all of us. I'm mm. sure we're pretty upset, yeah. and poor Jamie's probably lost a bit. Mm. Um, well, in, in 
book value in mm. uh, me, and yeah. I think he's lost a bit personally. I but hope he's not. A, we he's certainly had nothing to do with that for a long no, time. No, he keeps telling us. Yeah. That's right, but he's, he's still there. He's hanging around. Um, now, based on that, just another oh, interesting yeah. story, um, <laughs> because it, there is some connection between the two here, I would have thought. Mm. $2.7 billion lost on pokies. Oh. 5.30 a year average for each Victorian on pokies. That's Five, $530, $530 uh, per person average. Really? So some people are losing a hell of a bloody lot. Yeah, sure. Um, yes, yeah, um, gamblers in, and it, you look, it's the usual story. They're all in working class areas. Gamblers yep. in Greater Dandenong lost the most, an average of 907 for every adult. Brimbank, 879. Latrobe, 754. Epping Plaza Hotel was again the venue where punters lost the most. 20.2 million or more than 55,000 a day. Four of the top ten venues for pokey losses were in the city of Whittlesea. Um, And and we now have 26,000, nearly 26,500 poker machines at 496 venues. Hawthorne Football Club, the good old Jeff Kennett, their two pokey venues, Vegas at Waverley Gardens and West Waters Hotel in Carolyn Springs, which is pretty close to Leapy Hawthorne, yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, raked in almost 25 million, the highest pokies return for any AFL club. Carlton's offers were boosted by, uh, coppers were boosted by 17.8 million in losses from its four venues, ahead of Essendon, 11.1 million, Richmond, 5.3, St Kilda, 2.3, etc. I've got a feeling Collingwood um, footy team has got out of pokies. Uh, it says here, Collingwood sold the club in Melton and the coach and horses in Ringwood last December. The two venues hauled in 8.9 million and 4 right. million respectively. Right. North Melbourne has long been proud to be pokies free, while Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs in Geelong, have committed to divest pokey venues mm-hmm. from their books, huh. etc. So, yeah. Well, I think Collingwood, they don't actually specifically say, but I think they got out of pokies altogether, I think. Those Could, are just football clubs that own... But they do have them. They just point out because they they use them for revenue raising. And footy clubs like the ones like Hawthorne in the leafy suburbs, their poker machines win working class suburbs miles away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. Australia has 18% of the world's poker machines. That's shocking. We we have the largest concentration of poker machines anywhere. You don't want to top up a team. No, okay, thanks. by far, we're... we're, we're um, and I bet the outrageous. the amount of people who profit from them are a pretty select group uh-huh. as well. Oh, yeah. It yes. certainly mm. is in Tasmania. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have, yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about it many times on this program, but not for a long time. We should get perhaps, mm. Um, mm. you know, the, uh, Charles Livingston, who's really the expert at it, La Trobe, mm. we get him mm. in to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, mm. Well, I've tried to get him a few times last year, and he's never. he was sort of... Wasn't available, wasn't answering his phone, but he, yeah. he was on the ABC talking about it the other day, so it was oh, around. So well, oh, that's good. if you can go we'll on the ABC, that's right, that's yeah. right, we'll get him. We'll right. come on 3CR <laughs> and talk about it. Um, yeah, um, there was just as an I'll, I'll tell a side story that was quite interesting. There was a book written by Royce Miller and um, and Tim Costello, for which Tim, I think. The only thing he wrote was his name on the cover. I think Royce wrote the whole book. But, <laughs> but anyway, um, it was launched at the, the tote some years ago now. It was about mm-hmm. problem gambling and pokies. And because um, people know Royce is the ex-person yep. here at 3CA yeah, is now know, at the I'm, age. Even but, I know, um, know yeah. Um, they, the book was launched at the, at the old tote that John <clears throat> Wren had in Collingwood, oh, in, yeah. in Johnson Street, which is you know, the famous John Wren tote in, Coll- in there. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and then we adjourned to the pub over the road for a few drinks after the launch. But but it was interesting. Tim pointed out 
um, that because um, it, it, if you remember the story about John Wren was you know in Power Without Glory yep. by Frank Hardy, but Hardy also wrote another book called The Hard Way, which was about the actual getting it out because it was illegal at the time, and remember the police were trying to stop it, and so union people etc. You know, printed it, printed it mm. clandestinely, and then mm. got it out clandestinely in the original production the, of the, the Power Without Glory. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and George Selap, who was the communist secretary of the Beat, Beat Workers Union, was was one of the key union officials involved. And in fact, um, you know, he's no, he comes up, he's regularly part of the hard way in terms of that story. But Tim pointed out that George Selap is in fact their uncle. Uncle oh. George of the Costello family, mm. and he used to come on, I think it was Boxing Day or whatever, he'd come every year and have dinner with the Costello family. And I thought, here's an interesting situation mm. where the future Liberal Treasurer, Peter Costello, mm. Mm. was having lunch with the Communist Secretary of the mm. Meat Workers mm. Union. Mm. I wonder if they shook yeah. hands, because there could be, you know, a bit of a... <laughs> if that's, yeah, well, I imagine that's how that you decide if someone's sort of in collusion. <laughs> I imagine Peter Costello would have been pretty young at that time. Oh, okay. Kid, but, Maybe um, they didn't yeah, shake yeah. hands. But, Maybe but nonetheless, it's just interesting that the Communist Secretary and the future Liberal Treasurer yeah, were yeah. having lunch together at Christmas. Yeah. Um, that's just, that was an aside story I didn't mean to tell, but having raised it, I thought I might as well tell it. Um, this, this is an interesting story, actually. Um, the people who um, people who have a make contributions through pay, whatever it's called, super contribution. What are they called when people give up? Salary give up sacrifice. So, salary sacrifice. Yeah. I'm looking for it in the story. That's it. Salary yeah. sacrifice uh, are getting ripped off uh-huh. because. Uh, it means bosses have to pay less into their super, so they're getting they're, they're getting ripped off on bosses' contributions to their super. Really? Yeah. Yes, um, and the government claims it's going to do something about it because it's been you know raised by the union so much. But even now, they've passed a bill that won't come into practice for months. You know, sometime late next year or sometime next year. Um, and the um, the even the Institute of Public Accountants said the delay was inexplicable. Uh, because what can happen is that, um, example, the super contribution of somebody earning a hundred thousand must reach nine and a half thousand a year. If the employee voluntarily pays nine and a half into super via salary sacrifice arrangements, the obligation is considered to be fulfilled, and the employer gets away with paying nothing. It's that's, pretty that's, weird. I don't know why anyone that, would choose to do that. No well, one, because nobody would occur to them that it'd be no. that it'd be arranged so outrageously. Which it mm. says here, no one would undertake. Well, well said, John. No one, <laughs> no one would. Did you write the story? Wrote that. Or, <laughs> or, no, no, it doesn't say John. No. Oh, well, uh, I, have a, I have a line to the editor of the financial. Review. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no one would undertake such a strategy if they knew that their hard-earned dollars were being used to offset their employer's super guarantee obligations. The ex, Mr. Greco, who's uh, whoever he is, um, but he's some sort of Obviously, the explanatory uh, the explanatory memorandum to the bill does not explain why the measure has a delayed start date, presumably allowing those who use the loophole to adjust their business practices. Um, and the other factor is that um, also, if, even if you don't reach the threshold with your payments, mm. uh, once the payments come out, your taxable income drops by that amount. And so the employer contribution in percentage terms is based on the lower amount. So they're winning all ways. 
Sounds like it could sort of go. Yeah. Keep so, going on. Well, yeah. if you if you get a hundred thousand and you put say mm. you know two thousand in, uh, and so you you earn ninety eight thousand, mm. then the employer's contribution is based on the ninety eight, not the hundred. Yeah, so there's yeah. a small percentage difference there. But but if it was, you know it could be substantial in some cases. That's really hard to believe. Yeah. So the uh, idea, of, the idea of salary sacrifice was that was you know a, a voluntary top up. But yeah. I guess people pay less if they technically earn less. They pay less tax on what they mm. earn. So but that's not what it's about. It's about putting your money contribution in. Yeah. To your yeah. Super fund. Yeah. And of course, at the moment, the bosses are fighting attempts to make it even bigger. I mean, they're supposed to come in progressively yeah, yeah, to twelve yeah, percent yeah. by twenty twenty five. I think yeah, it is. That's coming. right. Yeah. Um, so the bosses are taking it mm. Now we've mentioned a number of times also how um, we wish that people with no money and common 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 working class criminals, John, mm. had some sort of reputation to lose, but sadly they don't because when business people end up in court, of course. Their re- loss of reputation is taken into mm. account. Shattering, shattering. Yeah, it is shattering, poor yeah. bastards. And yeah. um, bloke called Peter Gregg. Um, he's a, he's he's been a, he's been in a number of companies over the years. Uh, he's been a big businessman for many years, and he was with Leighton Holdings, chief financial officer. Mm. And he um, he falsif- he's found guilty of falsifying the books of the group, which means that, you know there's a rort going on. It's sort of cooking the books, obviously. Yeah. And this bloke who's been in many many companies over the years and uh, et cetera, et cetera, um, the the <clears throat> crown pushed that he go to jail. Each each charge carried a maximum of two years imprisonment. But his honour said, his honour said he was a broken man following the trial because the damage to his reputation meant he found it hard to get a job, and his second wife had left him after the Australian <laughs> Securities and Investment Commission brought criminal charges against him, obviously because the money went out the door with her, um, or before she she went out after mm-hmm. the money, um, and um, he um, and he was formerly CFO of Qantas, etc. Anyway, he's uh, not going to jail. Right, pleased to hear. Right. Yeah, he's not going to jail. He'd be allowed to be broken somewhere comfortable. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, well, he's a broken man. Presumably and, uh, somewhere on the coast of New South yeah, Wales or somewhere like that. That's right. So, um, But, of course, if he was a woman trying to feed her kids on welfare mm-hmm. and, um, and brought, you know, ended yep. up getting a few thousand extra, yep. he'd be in jail as fast oh, as you could yes. go. Oh, yes, oh, with the, yes. As fast as. Yes, um, yes. Uh, but there is some good news this morning. I don't want to oh. cheer up. Um, well, we won't even talk about some of the obvious things this week, like the US coming here and ordering us to put missiles. And, <laughs> yes. You know, we just that's just that's just normal. Um, but um, you'll be pleased to know that apart from that job she got with Palladium, I think it was called, wasn't it? Which was a mob doing deals with the, her own department before she left. Um, Julie Bishop. Oh, Julie Bishop. Mm. Julie Bash up the workers. She. Um, yeah, well, she's got a new job with a job, another another role now in another advisory board yeah. um, with a mob called Affinity, which is a U.S.-based technology company specialising in helping major telco and financial service companies increase their revenues from call centres. Oh, terrific! Now that's that's an important job, isn't it? I mean, make sure Sweat, yeah. turn turn call yeah. centres into more sweatshops. That's right. Like. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, she um, and she said. Um, She's interested in the impact of the fourth industrial revolution and how it is transforming the way people work, live and communicate. 
and it seemed to me ob- an obvious fit for my skills and backgrounds and interests. Well, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it fits perfectly. <laughs> anyway, she's there, and uh, and and it's it's a very it's a very good company because there are some really interesting people. Um, the the well, it's chaired by former British Prime Minister David Cameron. And, right. and the Australian managing director is the former Liberal MP and Minister Wyatt Roy, uh-huh. um, and and he said, um, Mac Roy said, um, Affinity is about as deeply immersed in the private sector as it is possible to be. One of the reasons I was attracted to join the company as its first Australian employee two years ago. He described his good friend Miss Bishop as Australia's finest foreign minister and suggesting suggested her possible appointment to Affinity. Well. If she was our finest, what would the others be like? Um, and the other, you know, it's really good because other board members include Ivan Seidenberg, former chairman of Verizon, Lord John Brown, former CEO of BP. That's an important job. Elizabeth Murdoch, <laughs> we, founder and former chairman of Shine Group. Nobuyuki Ide, former chairman of Sony, and Richard Freudenstein, former CEO of Foxtel. So, wow, it's a, it's a very, they just need Elon Musk yeah. on the board as well, and I think they'd yeah, have the yeah. yeah I, I, they'd have a know, bingo yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No one's asked us to be on any no, of these. Yeah, no, no. no glitterati. No, it is, isn't it? So yeah. Julie's joined them all. Anyway, it's good to yeah. see her getting on in the world, and she'll she, have plenty of money for more high heels and. Uh, Yes, and she's also been appointed to replace Gareth Evans, another one of favourite oh, of ours, yes, of course. Yes, Old of Gareth, course, he yeah. did great things for East Timor. Um, yep. Gareth, she's replacing Gareth as the ANU Chancellor. That's right, yes, yes. Yes. She's doing okay. So there you are. Yep, yep. 26 past, one minute to go, and then we can talk transport. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. Broadband return, playing the tote band room, Sunday, September 1st. Having completed an 11-city Japanese tour, they now launch their Japanese-released album along with US split vinyl. Very special guests are Japanese label mates, 20 Gilders, featuring Mitsuru Tabata of Acid Mother's Temple. Light Magnetic, the new band with members from The Scientist and Paradise Motel, plus competition team. Broadband, the tote, Sunday, September 1st, Tickets ten dollar presale from the Tote Hotel. Muin Records is a three CR supporter. The Renegade Pub Football League proudly presents its inaugural Pride Round, Paint in Victoria Park Rainbow, on Saturday, August twenty fourth. Celebrating diversity in pub football, this free community event offers a laid-back afternoon of gender-inclusive Aussie rules football, alongside DJs and a charity barbecue. Saturday, August 24th, gates open at 12.30. For more information, including pub footies August and September fixture, visit www.rpfl.com.au. The Renegade Pub Football League is a 3CR supporter. Okay, 9.27, first Wednesday of the month, John McPherson Transport Time. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. John, you just told me you remembered, you remembered something you wanted to talk to us about. Yes. Um, <laughs> was re- re- the age was reporting, um, this is the, you know, the environmental effects uh, inquiry into the North East Link is, is mm. underway, um, which gives lots of worthy organisations like the ca- local councils and anybody else who's who's got something to say to... Um, Say it. 
and then it'd be ignored, and they'll go on and do exactly what they were going to do before. Yeah. What was the last in, last environment inquiry into a major road, John, that rejected it because of yeah. environmental concerns? Can you think of one? Not really, Kevin, not really. No, right. No, no, it's strange, no. isn't it? The yeah. only one that yeah. um, wasn't acted on was the environment impact into the airport rail link, which mm. Um, mm. didn't go ahead. That's right, yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry, yeah, I anyhow, you know, Now on. you're diverting yeah. me, yeah. 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 Anyhow, La Trobe Uni um, put forward a submission and basically they were making the, the very good points um, that while this huge and incredibly expensive road project in the northeast That's one of the people who... You better oh, tell where, I'm sorry, just, just better tell people where it <laughs> goes to and from, that's all. Just We're not looking very what far this, Where this road The northeast going. link, okay. Yeah. Okay, it's the, it's the missing link, as the, I think the government loves to call it, to, that'll finish the ring road around Melbourne. So it'll connect the east link that goes from roughly Ringwood down down south to Frankston to the um, the um, Greensboro bypass in the, in the nor- northern part of the rest of the rest of the ring road, and that's been a missing link for for ten or fifteen years. Mm. Well, forever really, if you think about it. Mm. Mm. So it's been left left in a too hard basket, and the government's um, decided they want to build the the um, the link straight south from Greensboro to Bulleen and uh, it's going to be incredibly expensive and incredibly disruptive. Uh, there's going to be a tunnel, a long tunnel to go under the Yarra River and some um, um, uh, built up, um, built up um, area with lots of houses and um, so basically the, the tribe was saying, well look, we're not, we're not directly in the path of it but we're going to be affected by it. Um, and I think their prediction would be that it's going to encourage even more people to drive to uni than try to get to uni by public transport. And of course, um, of course, um, the um, the universities um, struggle and struggle with you know building huge car parking areas and all that sort of thing, and mm. not enough um, public transport. So, yeah, basically, Latrobe was saying, well, look. This huge road project's being built, but there's very little being done for public transport in the same region. Where's the Trobe Uni? Oh, Bandura. Bandura. Oh, okay. the, end of, the end of this tram line here, it goes yeah. right out. Preston well, look, beyond it's no Preston longer the Bandura end. Again. It's no longer the end. Well, no, it, no, it goes a bit further now. Yeah, it yeah. goes. In fact, that's an interesting thing. The Bandura tram goes past. Latrobe Uni, but it doesn't go into Latrobe Uni. Okay. So you're still left with a half kilometre walk oh. down from the main road to get into Latrobe Uni and yep. things like that. You know, yeah. but but basically, unless you just by a fluke happen to live in the right the right neighbourhood and you you know going to Latrobe Uni, you'll have trouble getting there because you'll probably have to start off on a very infrequent bus service. Then get to the tram line or to the rail mm. line, and then travel some of the way in a rail line or the tram sure. line. And, and then, the, the Monash main campus is the same. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. it's 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 had some improvements put in, like shuttles from uh, shuttles from Huntingdale, and um, I think there's another one from Clayton Railway Station as mm. well. It's from yeah. Huntingdale, but but even so, a lot of the cross cross town bus routes that feed mm. a lot of people into Monash. Um, their their frequencies are pretty pathetic, even in peak hours. Mm. The, the, this is you know you come back to the same old issue in Melbourne. A lot of suburban Melbourne will only ever be serviced by buses, 
and the bus services that Melbourne Melbourne is provided with are on the whole pathetic. Mm. Just as an aside, John, um, on the PBS jazz program last Saturday, they were talking to a woman who's in a band that's playing every Thursday night at Monash for the next month or so. Yeah. But mm. they pointed out, look, it's, you probably can't get there on public transport, but mm. there's plenty of car parking yeah. at mm. night. Yeah. They said, you know, so drive there, drive yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, the, um, the Age article the other day had a young young woman who's a student at Monash, and no, sorry, at La Trobe, and she tried to travel by public transport and after a couple of months mm. had just given up in disgust because mm. it was taking an hour and a half. And, of course, if the services of buses and everything are so infrequent, mm. interchange, when you have to interchange, uh, is going to be really, really pathetic as well. Mm. Mm. And and so, yeah, it, and you know... <laughs> there was something I read about how if um, the amount of time that you're waiting to get onto public transport is same as or more than the amount of time it takes to drive somewhere mm. and you have the option to drive, people will drive. Mm. Mm. Like no one's mm. going to wait for 20 minutes at the bus stop if mm. they can get there in 15 mm. minutes in their car. That's yeah. right. And and, yeah. and you, the contrast in time between driving in, Mel, in Melbourne and compared with using public transport is often so, so great. Yeah. And particularly if you're going somewhere where you can park your car when you get there. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah. so... It just seems to be something about the the minds who are supposedly designing our public transport. They simply will not or cannot accept that you have to have high frequency mm. to to make to make bus services attractive. Because mm. buses are the least attractive form of public transport. Less people will use them. More will use trams, and more again will use trains. Mm. So. We can't afford, no city really can afford to run trams everywhere. Mm. So it's going to be buses. So let's accept that the buses have got to be run f- frequently enough to make them make them worthwhile. Mm. Otherwise, they just become a sort of social service for the people who have absolutely no other choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. And, you know, Monash was trying to make those points. But, it, of course, it, it, it applies everywhere across the whole city. It doesn't just apply in the region around Monash. Latrobe, by the way. You, you oh, I, keep, I, keep, I beg yeah. your pardon, yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't only apply to Latrobe. Um, things have been slightly improved at Monash. And, and Latrobe now, I believe, has got a shuttle bus that comes across from McLeod Railway Station. Uh, and that's, that's, a, that's good. But... You know, there are so many other things that should be done as well to improve the situation. Yeah. And in fact, there was a letter in The Age um, a couple of Sundays ago Mm -hmm. uh, by a woman, Julia Blunden of Hawthorne, Mm -hmm. and she opened by saying, like many others, I rejoiced when the Andrews government was elected and immediately cancelled the East-West Link project despite the the cost, etc. My joy was short-lived now that the same government is pursuing an equally unsustainable and destructive project, the North East Link. Mm. And she goes on to make the many points we would raise against it and what it's going to destroy and Heidi Gallery is going to be damaged, etc. But she says, perhaps my greatest concern with the North East Link is that by funnelling many extra motor vehicles onto the Eastern Freeway, it will lead to a revival of the East-West Link project. And it's not Mm. a bad point. Mm. It's quite a valid point, I would have thought. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and that's going to be the thing. That, that's the thing that the, the, the Daniels government doesn't want to build, but certainly the, 
the opposition mm. parties um, oh. think it's a very high priority. And and Rupert Murdoch wants it built immediately. It's, it's yeah. one mm. of the great wastes of money. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 um, hard to see that the East West Link will be much use though. It'll just basically uh, move the peak hour congestion to a different part of the sister road system around the city, as mm. far as I can see. And it um, well, it also. Um, there's going to be so many lanes on what's now the east east mm. link anyway, the eastern freeway. Mm. Uh, what what was at least still there that could have potentially become the 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 Doncaster rail line mm-hmm. that was which it was meant to be in the first place. Mm-hmm. Of course, it was set aside as a rail line mm-hmm. years ago and yep, ended up yep. becoming a freeway. Yep. Um, but um, that will be out of the question because mm. whatever mm. land is still reserved for rail mm. is going to be taken over by mm. more concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the scale of the um Eastern Freeway around the area of Bulleen, where the where the um, northeast link will join the Eastern Freeway, the scale of the freeways around there mm. are just mind-boggling. Mm. And it's coming something into a, like twenty lanes. It's coming into a creek valley they've already destroyed pretty much, but mm. they'll destroy it even more now. Yeah, so. and it's and it's pretty clear too that the the um, the road tunnels out on the Mullum Mullum Creek um, near Ringwood they won't the, the three lanes each way there won't be anything like enough capacity. Mm. So it'll be next. It'll be the next project. It'll be um, digging some more tunnels. Yeah, um, yeah, almost certainly, I would say. Yeah, and so every time, every time something like this is done, we're just confirming ourselves as a car-based city, mm. mm-hmm. and, and rather than accepting that we're getting larger and larger, and as cities get larger, mm. they really have to put more and more emphasis on public transport. I mean, mm. it, it seems it seems pretty obvious, but. You have to get smarter. Otherwise, mm. you end up like L.A. in America mm. or something like that where mm. you literally just can't get anywhere with yeah, unless you yeah. have a car and yeah. there's all these huge but it, And even, even then, they, do, they have unpredictable congestion on, on these Absolutely. incredibly wide freeways. You, yeah. you no, never know there how long it's going to take you to get somewhere. We're missing an opportunity to be a smart city, mm. like mm. a well-planned, well-designed mm. city because mm. uh, the population is exploding mm. in mm. Melbourne. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yep. And how we respond to that sort of from a planning perspective, mm. this this is kind of, you know, these moments are the moments when you can get smart mm. about those things rather than just getting bigger and bigger mm. and bigger. You yeah. fingered the problem, of course. You used the word smart and that's the yeah. problem. <laughs> 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 there's so many good <laughs> ideas out there, you know, and there's so many people doing research mm. into things and people in planning areas who have good ideas, mm. but there's this kind of... I don't know, ideological mm. sort of yeah, well, set in their way. We seem to expect that, 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 you know, Labor governments will be a bit more a bit more enlightened on these areas, but they're, they're not no. in, in practice. Yeah. You know, planning, um, you know, high-rise, all sorts of things, they're, they're, they, they're not. I think it's the free market ideology. It's just mm. sort of like, oh, well, the free market will just do what you know is best for everyone. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't mm. be able to make any money. But the reality mm. is that they're subsidised and they mm. have all this mm. lobby power in politics, mm. you know, mm. government. So. Certainly do. That mm. Hilda survey that came out a couple of oh, weeks yes, ago, yeah, the yeah. household income and labour dynamics, et cetera, with lots of things in it. But one of the things in it was that commuter times for workers – have increased uh, dramatically, mm. and the figure they show for Melbourne is that it was fifty-eight point six minutes in two thousand and two, and now it's sixty-five point four. So it's gone up by mm. it's what you know an hour and five minutes. That's average. That's oh, that's, yeah. that's mean. So um, some people are going you know mm. much much and longer. And that's the return. That's that's morning, yeah. and that's to and from, isn't it? 
Um, committing times by law. Well, maybe it is. I'm not sure. It doesn't, doesn't say doesn't specifically really that. that. No, it might oh, be okay. just one way, but I'm, I'm not okay. sure. Um, but it's just interesting. But what I found also slightly interesting was mm. that it reached in 2014, it was 68 minutes in Melbourne, and now it's 65.4. So it's actually dropped in the last three years. Mm. Well, 14, five years. Mm. Oh, no, that was up to 17. So it's three years, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, would it be that more in that period maybe more people did get on public transport or something? I mean, <laughs> who knows? Well, but, of course, it would count people travelling by car as well as people travelling by public transport, wouldn't it? No, it's, it's just... It's only public transport. It's only car that I can see. <coughs> it's only by car. It's only by car. Oh, hang on. No, it does say commuting. and Maybe it's also public transport. Maybe mm, it is. I, yeah, I, I that think... takes my, my theory out of the equation altogether, right, doesn't it? Right. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm sorry I said that, really. It's all right, Kevin. Apart from proving I'm a total, <laughs> total idiot. In your const- <laughs> no, no, Kevin. It's your constant... Not a it's total your, idiot. It's your constant... Constant seeking of truth. That's what <laughs> you can't help. Uh, it. You can't help. It. Well, the, the trouble is, the truth is, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that. But uh, but it, nonetheless, right. it is interesting that mm. um, those commuter times are, and it, and of course, um, it, there's a necessity for public transport to be far more frequent in those times and get people. Well, yeah, and uh, and often with bus services, they're not. I mean, not even in peak hours are the, are the buses frequent. Oh, no, my so said two t- twice an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same as the upfield line, so yeah. I don't know what you're no, complaining we get three, about. We get three an hour. Ah, yes, but you see, you couldn't have the buses and the trains run on the same frequency. That might make interchange. You know, God, if they met... They yeah, imagine be, everybody yeah. fainting, fainting no, low down. No one waiting on trap stops no, and trains. No, yeah. no it's, it's truly, truly pathetic. The, particularly the bus service are, on the whole, truly pathetic. Now, the, the, you know, the um, smart bus concept was introduced a few years ago, and that was mm. quite successful, in fact. But there's no more pressure to do more. No. no. And the smart buses get, get quite, a good, quite a lot mm, of custom. Yeah, Particularly yeah. between, you know, like people go from somewhere locally, like they go to the local shopping mm. centre or the, the central shopping mm. centre somewhere, so you get periods where they're quite crowded and mm. everyone goes off there, but people get on going somewhere Yeah, well, else. that's... that's yeah. What's what, the smart what, bus? What is that? Ah, uh, well, it's it, it's a system they they brought in improved services on on some of the orbit orbital routes. Oh, okay. Um, and called them smart buses because I don't know quite why mm, they called quite them a smart few. buses. Like one runs from Altona all the way to Mordialloc. Yeah, okay. And it right goes around. it goes yeah. all over the place in between. Yeah. Um, but they're a good service and they're quite frequent actually. Well, relative, yeah. They're relatively relatively, relatively, relatively frequent compared relatively to other frequent. bus services yeah, anyway. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, but but of course, you know, over time they they still get caught in the traffic, and they still have, yeah, they um they they still have you know glitches mm. in the service. Um, but they are a bit of an improvement. But there's no ongoing emphasis on doing more of it. There doesn't seem to be any real supervision to make sure they they continue to run well. I mm. mean, all all these sort of things that just just just. Um, seem to be dropped by the bureaucrats, you know, oh, well, we've done that, we've done smart buses. That's mm. a nice name, yeah, that's good, mm-hmm. yeah. That was, and so, so much of it, so much of it appears to be spin mm. and there's so little, little um, concern about um, actually running a network that's functional and efficient. Uh, and when you've got so many bus companies running bits and pieces of the system, in some, some ways, no wonder... Uh, in many ways, a lot of the bus companies they don't want to do any more or do any have to do better, 
because what they're doing now they're quite comfortable with, but they they're they're you know they're not really eager about to to double the number of passengers they carry or anything like that. Well, it's quite lucrative, of course, John. Yeah, the, very, um, very lucrative. You know, in Sydney, they're about to build and then give a contract to run um, the Metro West and Greater West public transport projects. Yes, um, and it points out that um, RATP Dev. It's a French metro operator, I don't know if you know it or not, mm, but it runs yes, runs yes, the system. In, yes. it, 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 it wants to, um, it wants to uh, tender for the works and, and to run the system. And it points out that Hong Kong's MTR Corporation, which we know all about, John, underscores... They run our trains, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Underscores foreign public transport companies. Growing confidence in Australia as more ambitious projects are pursued in capital cities. So worldwide, these companies are seeing, like Transdev, Keolis, yep. etc., yep. are seeing um, potential for making profit out of our public transport, but no mm. mention of making it run better. No, no. They're the Paris ones, are they? Or are they RATP the is, yes. It's French, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So. Yes, well, um, uh, what seems to happen is the foreign companies adapt to the current, the current environment. Mm. So if the, the local bureaucracy seems, seems not very interested in the quality being high, they adapt quite happily. I to thought them. the Paris sort of transport was sort of a public, they are. actually public. Yeah, mm. right. Mm. Mm. But they a lot of these com- a lot of these companies European ones even though they're they're, they're government owned mm-hmm. they now have a, a an arm of the company that um, is private or is... provides you know the service management services okay. elsewhere in the world wow they're a German company Keolis might, I think they might be German so they kind of job. make a profit from yeah. from other from, from delivering transport mm. services in other countries Correct. and then sort of use that to subsidise their own public mm-hmm. transport system. <laughs> the British the British are fascinated by the fact that, that most of their public transport is now run by the offshoots of yeah. of government owned European entities in public transport. So I was talking mm. to a friend who's who's in Australia and is from Paris originally and she was horrified about the cost of transport in Australia and she mm. said like I can go anywhere in Paris for a couple mm. of bucks mm. and here I could spend almost $10 every day yeah. and yeah. that really adds up. Yeah. And yeah. I was like yeah that's privatization. She's like mm. we wouldn't stand for that in France. <laughs> no, you know, like, no, it's something we should talk about because I think yeah. the fees here are incredibly high vis-a-vis mm. yeah. mm. I mean um, mm. cars etc. Yeah, yeah. Like not, the petrol cost would be yeah. less if for, for mm. short distance yeah. than paying, you know, four mm. bucks one way and mm. a couple hours mm. later paying another four bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the overall yeah. cost of running a car would be much, much more, but yes. people don't see that. If they see they've got to pay eight dollars yeah. a day yeah. on public yeah. transport yeah. and they can drive to work and back, then it yeah. seems yeah. much cheaper. Well, they, they, they feel like they're going to own the car anyhow, so they may as well use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. again, it's got to be a, a really difficult trip by car to um, encourage them on exactly. public transport. Yeah. yeah. So, mm. yes, yes. Well, I think again, I think our, our fare system is are p- very peculiar the way mm. that, way they're organised. Um, yep, and expensive. And Brisbane's expensive too. Mm. Well, they yeah. they actually a couple of years ago cut their fare levels. Well, there you go. They they had to. They were losing too many That's too much it. patronage. Yeah, people are going to use it. And it rose again once they cut mm-hmm. cut it. Cut fares by about twenty percent. Yeah, uh, patronage rose. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And on that, and planning, etc. The the stories every day about people, you know, developers taking the city out further and mm. further. Mm. Um, one mobs 
um, come up with a a, a um, development called, they always have the euphemism names. This one is called Hillstow, which sounds lovely. It's mm. at 14 hectares in Opposo, and it's going to be 204 lots at uh, on the Prince's Highway. But it's um, they point out, you know, how wonderful it is you're close to Melbourne. It's 50 kilometres southeast of the CBD, but that sort of development and the development's taking place further out, mm. Wyndham Vale, Diggers Rest, these, the same mob have mm. ones mm. there. Mm. I mean, these are just putting more pressure on the on the urban structure, but also on providing transport for those people, other than the motor car, which they, you know, start Well, pretty with. much all they get is the, is the road system. Of course, automatically the road system gets built, but automatically nothing else happens like public transport. Mm. Another, another thing that's happening in Melbourne, too, is that there are only some of the rail lines have outer suburban services that run express through the inner suburbs. Now, most... Most big sprawling cities like ours, like even even London, you know, if you're coming in from the outer suburbs, you would be on a train that runs express through the inner part because it's acknowledged that the trips get so long if it's all stations mm. from the from the mm. far outer outer reaches, yeah. and um, even even off peak, you know, in, in most of London there'll be uh, outer suburban services that'll run express through the inner suburbs. Mm. But often here, here there's nothing like that, mm. and unless there's pressure, I don't know where from. Unless there's mm. pressure put on the on the uh, agencies running it, they won't they won't want to improve it because that will make their life more difficult. Because it's more difficult to run the two different services over the top of each other. To schedule them, yeah. Mm. To schedule them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I've just noticed that that tendency in, in Melbourne. To, mm. to ignore that, they do that fact. on the Hurstbridge line. They a few run, a few. yeah, some in that mm. sort of like eight to nine a.m. Yes, period. Yes, but will it's only run Express to Jollymont. Yes, from, yeah. yes, but it's again, it's very few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But then again, they they overcome that by often just avoiding stations altogether. Anyway, I mean that's that's one of the things they do to save time. Now. Oh, the uh, and I noticed mm. in the action in the strike action, the staff are talking about for next Monday yes, when we all get yes. a free trip. Yes. Um, on the train anyway, I'm not sure about the trans, but um, um, they say one of the things they'll do also is not do that. that they'll, they'll, mm. They won't just mm. avoid stations because mm. they're ordered to by the company. They're under a lot of pressure. Uh, they call it station skipping. Station they skipping. They just drive past. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a way to get the train back on schedule if it's running late. But there's a lot lot of pressure from the from the government not to mm. do that now. They used to, It used mm. to be rampant. Oh. You become so aware you could of it. just uh, you could just find yourself sailing past your station. Yeah, about to say you become aware of it as you go past your station. And say <laughs> it doesn't actually stop. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it happen. You know, when the trains just completely packed, like the taking the Mernda line, like on like peak hour, you you could go along and and it stop at the station, open the doors, and everyone mm. look everyone on the platform and look at everyone yeah, in the yeah, train, and everyone yeah. on the train and look at everyone on the platform, and then it just close the doors yeah, and go on because yeah, yeah. it's completely. Mm. Yeah, well, so, well, somewhere like the Moonda Line's now f- definitely long enough where it should have outer suburban services, you know, on a constant basis. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John, I was interested, there's mm. an interesting yarn floating, or interesting development taking place, Toronto, which has a reputation of being one of the better cities for yes. public transport. Yes, But their, their um, waterside area, waterfront area, yep. Yep. they're... They've given a contract to Google to develop the whole area. Oh, um, to Google. 
and um, it's, it's going to be a Google village. Google mm. village, and it's, it's and it's massive. It's high tech everywhere. Like uh, the footpaths will melt snow when it lands, and all this sort of crap. <laughs> um, what but, about catching people when they <laughs> slide on? <them? laughs> That's right. No, no, there'll be something for that as well. There'll be something to catch on to. Even before the plan was released, citizens groups were challenging the redevelopment proposal, and privacy advocates were wringing their hands. Some asked whether Toronto was taking its embrace of technology too far by giving a tech company so much leeway to create a community and it goes on in those things a mob called Sidewalk has developed to oppose them uh, Daniel Doctorov, head of Sidewalk cast the plan as a manifesto for the city of tomorrow it is a guidebook to a completely new approach to urbanism he said um, while there were some indications the company has taken public criticism into account the plan now emphasises affordable housing and the use of Canadian technology partners the agency set up to oversee the redevelopment cited several concerns about its initial phase known as Keyside. The agency Waterfront Toronto said that, among other issues, it was not immediately clear whether Sidewalk's plan for collecting and using data and for protecting privacy conformed to Canadian laws or its own standards. Yikes. The project has stirred vigorous debate and, regardless of the outcome, raises issues to consider. Are you worried uh, that it'll happen in here, here in Well, I'm just saying this is Toronto, and, uh, well, I'm saying that it's, um, as well. I mean, I if they start giving think. private companies the right to develop mm. a bloody area like that, particularly a company like Google, it's, it's yeah, quite amazing. Well, well we've had um, Crown, of course, developing mm. that, that well, precinct yes, south right, of the river there. Right. And in Sydney, Barangaroo, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good example well, of that we, as well. Well, we do yeah. it, but we base it on mm. gambling. I mean, it just sort of mm. indicates a slightly different approach. But, mm. but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt Uber and all those people will be involved with Google as well, I, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Mm. In fact, it says at a time, but at a time when distrust of large technology companies is growing, um, the critics have characterised the plan as one in which Google will use its vast financial resources to expand its surveillance powers over people's online lives into the physical world. That raises concern about a loss of privacy and democratic control. I was really excited about the project and I still believe in the vision of a high-tech community, said Malane Gokhale, a technology worker, etc., uh, but we just don't need Google to do it. <laughs> wow. That reminds yeah. me, I, w I watched the new Blade Runner movie the other day, the, the one set in the future. Right, you must have been desperate, John. <laughs> I think they're all set. <laughs> no, it's meant to be really good. Yeah, well, I... It's um, not like Blade Runner here. Yeah, but it was a different... It was a, yeah, I, I, I'm a bit of a Blade Runner yeah. fan, but it's, it's a very miserable... Um, it's a dystopian you, future. Dystopia, yeah. thank you. The opposite yeah. of the utopia. Yeah. It's a dystopia, yeah. But but they certainly know where everybody is and what they're doing in this dystopia. That's it, yeah. I think mm. we're heading mm. that way. Yeah. Mm. doesn't yeah. use dystopia, but the headline on this article about um, Google and Toronto actually is Tech Utopia or Private Big Brother. Right, well, exactly. Yeah. 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 Did you guys see uh, in The Guardian about the high-speed rail across Australia mm. Mm. and how they want to – well, the, the person who they've – the government's given this money to to develop a mm. business proposal about it um, is mm. a little bit, well, I don't know, well yeah, mm. it doesn't show that there's any real no. company behind it or anything like that. But then also it was interesting because they're going to give, like they've got like 80 billion or something, I can't remember, I'm not very good with remembering numbers, but it's a huge amount of money that they've allocated to um, sort of develop this high-speed rail. But it's going to be a completely private enterprise 
and the the private enterprise is going to make money by buying the land there's and then selling a, yeah, it off to people to develop into... It's only a very vague, mm. vague proposal. Very. It? Well, yeah, I can believe that yeah, from yeah, the sound yeah, of it. Yeah. But, and um, it's gone very quiet. It was... It, it was, it was Really up. It was very much talked about in um, 2016, but mm. since then it's mm. it's got gone very quiet. Yeah, right. I don't think we need to worry too much about it. But the uh, the high speed rail is a great idea. <sighs> well, in it, well, not even not even me these days is quite so sure about that. Really, I've, and I've I've been saying for 25 years I, I wanted to see it happen before I left this planet. Well, someone <laughs> someone in the comments section of the Guardian was saying, like mm. on the Guardian Online, was saying yeah. um, uh, they should get the uh, aeroplane companies, <laughs> like in a, you know, because in Japan they said that's what happened. No, there's like um, the com- the same companies that make money from flights make money from trains. No, no. Um, it was all sponsored by the good old Japan National Rail Railway. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well, you know that's just that if there's a yeah, a, I, a line where the, you know you can mm, take mm. a train for cheaper, it'd be better for the environment. Mm. So, Johnny, in one minute, what what what's your objection to very fast at this stage? Well, I'm I'm I have, I'm got to the point where I d- just don't think that Australia with the distance between, say, Sydney and Melbourne, it's it's even even really fast trains that, that um, run at three hundred kilometres an hour, so the average speed's going to be obviously lower than that. A three-hour trip um, between Sydney and Melbourne, which is what you need to to be offering a service as convenient as flying, mm. that's that is going to be a reach. They'll have to be absolutely non-stop trains to do that. Going 300 kilometres an hour the whole time? Yeah, well, exp- apart Express. from accelerating right, out, of, right, right. out of the cities, yeah. yeah and so it's, it's, it's all stretching it. I, I'm beginning to think it might be better to start with maybe not very high speed, but fast networks out of the cities, like, you know, like to really make this, the lines to the provincial cities in Victoria fast like tra- trains doing 200 kilometres now. So you can get to Albury in, in, you know, an hour and a half or something like that mm. and and get to um, Bendigo in an hour and um, Ballarat maybe in 45 minutes. Start off with that and the same sort of system out of Sydney and then maybe over time those networks can grow and, and connect. Mm. That that might be a, a more obvious... Um, useful things so that those services around the cities would be un- enable some um, decentralisation. We're out of time, unfortunately, but look, we'll develop this, and I think next month we can develop this on the first okay, one. Okay, like, yeah, because yeah, it's okay. um interesting discussion. Um, okay, John, thanks for coming in okay. next month. My and pleasure. thank Meg for doing a wonderful job, one for coming in, yes. <laughs> <laughs> albeit by accident, and um, thank you for keeping us on air. That's right, and keep us, thank you for keeping us on air. And My pleasure. Yeah. To and adding, adding more than your... More than a bit to the discussion. Well, too. there you Thank go. You. There you Some go. Next week, Energy is Australia heads toward a nuclear future. Oh, God. <laughs> so we're going to finish with the song by Kenkara Nagaro by Train Train. <laughs>